0: Welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Higgins, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Aaron Salvato. Aaron,
1: how you doing? Hey, hey. I am doing good. It's uh, good to be here. It's been a while since we recorded. We've got... January is just a hard month, you know? It's uh, a lot of stuff going on. Me and my wife were sick for like an entire month. It was the worst. Well, and fun. uh, yeah, it, it, there's nothing more fun than being sick, you know, just curling up on the couch with a nice blanket, coughing your lungs out. It's, I can't recommend it more.
0: I'm not sure how people handled sickness before Netflix was around for oh, you yeah. to be able to not be as bored while you were sick. Yeah. So I think that's a huge advantage we have in modern sickness. It it makes the marriage promise of in sickness and in health way easier.
1: Yeah, we should just marry Netflix. That... <laughs> That's not where I was going with
0: that, but okay. <laughs> I like your I like your outside-the-box thinking.
1: That's what I'm all about. So uh, so what are we talking about
0: today? Today we're talking about something that I feel like it used to be talked about a ton when we were younger in the church. It felt like it was something where in the, the 90s and early 2000s even, this was something where everyone was talking about the best ways to do this, the fact that every Christian needed to be part of this, And now it just kind of feels like something that's off on the side that is definitely worth bringing up again because it's one of those topics where as soon as you bring it up, everyone feels like they should be better at this than they are. Mm. But without talking about it, we won't get better. And that topic is evangelism.
1: I was going to say, you were doing a really good job of teasing out that topic. Like, I was at the edge of my seat. Like, what is the topic? What is this thing that we don't do as well?
0: I know. Honestly, in my mind, I was really thinking, like, how long can I keep this going for? And then (laughs) I remembered anyone who's listening to this has already read the title of this episode. That's true.
1: And wouldn't it be great if that was just the whole show? It wasn't as suspenseful. If it was just 45 minutes of you, like, teasing out the topic and me just sitting there like what's it gonna be like wow this is really interesting yeah I Uh, wonder what he wants to talk about so evangelism and yeah why don't you go into that a little bit more like why do you feel like things have changed with how we talk about it
0: Well, let's start with when when I was growing up in church, when I heard the term evangelism. What I first thought of was going to a mall or a public square or some place where people you did not know would be hanging out mm. and randomly going up to someone And saying, hey, do you want to talk about if you're going to hell? Like, that was, like, the image that I had in mind when it came to evangelism.
1: 90s-style street witnessing.
0: Yeah, it was, like, those fake dollar bills that you would give to people that had, like, verses of scripture around it, which I've only ever watched frustrate people when they pick it up and realize it's not money.
1: The the best ones are the ones where it's a a million-dollar bill. Yeah. Because, I mean, you've got to know that's fake, like... What millionaire is walking around with his entire fortune on a single bill that's just irresponsible that's uh, it's going to be a lot of change when he goes and
0: buys some a pack of gum or something but this was kind of the image that I think many people have grown up with of what evangelism is and In part, rightfully, we have really expanded what it means to evangelize. People have started talking about things like friendship evangelism. People have started uh, talking about the idea that you can evangelize with your very actions um, to the point where evangelism has kind of become so many things to so many people that very few, at least I feel, very few people, and I include myself in this, I'm one of the people not doing this, very few of us are actually making evangelism a consistent habit in our lives. Is that something you'd agree with?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, so here's kind of my perspective on it. I grew up in the 90s, and I was in youth group in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, I think, and you know for me um my exposure to evangelism was i had a great youth pastor and they took us out street witnessing and the style was very 90s like it was very um apologetics based so kind of like what you're saying and going around and um asking people things like uh, i think we were we were going off of the ray comfort way of the master stuff and we were kind of learning from mm-hmm. him um but uh, we would go up and ask people like, hey, so are you a liar? Have you ever lied? Uh, have you ever stolen anything? Great intro to a conversation, by it's the way. It's great. It's a, the best way to start the conversation. Are you, you one of them liar people? You one you, you of them, they're liars. <laughs> um, we did not go around asking people, so have you ever committed adultery? Um, that probably would have been crossing a line. But, yeah, that was kind of my first exposure to it, Tracks um, quizzes, things like that. It was a very kind of late nineties, early two thousands way of doing it. And, you know, later on when I became a youth pastor, I started doing street witnessing as well, but I took a different approach that was more grounded in, um, conversation and just getting to know people, finding out who they are, what they believe. And, um, that worked pretty well in a lot of ways. Um, but then going back to what you're talking about, where a lot of people don't make it a part of their regular lives, I'll be honest, since I left my full-time ministry position and moved to Oklahoma, and now I'm outside of the church and I'm working a job and focusing on that, uh, it's become a lot harder to focus on evangelism. <laughs> I kind of had it easy when I think about it, because I was a youth pastor and I could schedule evangelism events into my schedule. Um, which was great. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I am somebody who has led an evangelism ministry, but I will fully admit how hard it is to work evangelism into regular daily life.
0: All that is great. I love everything you're saying right now. These conversations are what made us want to do this particular kind of episode because I have known for a while that evangelism is something that's very near and dear to your heart. It's something that um to the best of your abilities in the different seasons of life you've really prioritized it in the ways that you can and and you care to prioritize it you know it, it's one thing yeah. to let a spiritual habit you know get pushed to the side i guess for a season but to still value it as a spiritual practice um in all the conversations that we've had i've always felt like you care more about this than i do and this is just me being honest mm. i've never felt particularly Gifted in evangelism. I've never felt like it was the thing that I wanted to do. I always kind of thought like there were two kinds of pastors where one is the kind who wants to be Greg Laurie and go out and preach the gospel and see a bunch of people get saved. And the other wants to take all of those people who are newly saved and watch them grow in the Lord.
1: So, right. Kind Kind of of like the difference between an evangelist and a shepherd, right?
0: Yeah. And I've kind of built that divide in my mind to, I think, just make me comfortable with the fact that I do not evangelize the way that I should.
1: The thing I want to push back on that is if I can kind of preach to you and preach to myself for a second, because I think it's a reminder I constantly need Um, You know, when Jesus left, when he departed, when he ascended into heaven, Um, I think in one of the final chapters of Matthew, he gives us the great commission and it's like his final departing words to the church, to the Christ followers. And he says, you know, go into all nations and make disciples and I'll be with you. And I think that there's different levels of that. Like I think for you and me as youth pastors, when we do the shepherd thing, when we've got a group of kind of newly minted Christians or kids that grew up Christian and said a prayer when they were little, part of making disciples is shepherding those kids and helping them develop in their discipleship to Jesus. But we can't neglect also the reality that we're called to go and make new disciples. Um, So I think, I think that for me, like I've never thought of myself as a Greg Laurie guy. Um, I've never aspired to that. Like (laughs) I have so much self doubt that like the thought of filling out a stadium in my mind for me to do that is an impossibility. Um, But I do see the call for every shepherd to be an evangelist. And I think to every extent, you know, or to to some extent, every evangelist should also be a shepherd um, in different levels. So I'm not saying that you and I have to go out and fill stadiums, but I am saying that, like, for us, we still should have a heart to reach non-Christians, which can be hard when you factor in, like, the, the regular pressures of daily life. So
0: that's something that I completely agree with. I think that the divide that I had set up earlier is a divide that is not helpful and that, you know, yeah. it was easy for me to look at, well, I'm doing some part of the disciple-making process, so God must be happy with what I'm doing. And, yes, I think God is pleased with shepherd ministry.
1: No, he's he's not. He hates everything you're doing. He's really upset
0: he's, right now. He's sitting up there steamed. Yeah, he he just wants us to stop this recording, so.
1: Yeah, let's stop it right now. We had a
0: great run. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Podcast over. Kind of me kind of laying a little bit of groundwork for what this episode will be. I'm looking at my own heart. I'm looking at my own life and my own practices, and I am saying to myself, I need evangelism to be a more important part of my life. I need it Mm. to at least not be... This way distant thing that unless a non-believer shows up at the church I'm at where I'm just going to never take part in it. So I think a lot of people listening may be in a similar boat where they're looking at themselves thinking evangelism is not really part of the normal rhythms of my life. Yeah. Maybe it should be, but I have so many questions first. Yeah. I'm well, going to try to voice those questions to you and then awesome. we'll work through some of them together.
1: I am not an expert by any means. Um, this is a topic I'm passionate about, but, uh, yeah, I, I will do my best to field any questions on this. So yeah, I believe in Hit you me buddy. with a man. Okay. Let's do it. So
0: the, the first one, you talked a little bit about street witnessing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, just to give the picture of that, you're going up to someone you don't know and you're trying to begin a conversation that leads to you talking to them about Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Oh, yeah.
1: It's super weird. Like, isn't that and just crazy awkward? It's cringy. It's weird. Um, Because, like, really, I mean, as passionate as we are about anything, you know, like uh, um, Star Wars or the, our favorite band, you know, we're not going to really even walk up to strangers and talk about that. Like you're not going to be in the grocery store and walk up to someone and say, hey, so uh, the last Jedi, you know, uh, unless you're extremely extroverted. Um, like, would you say that's the case? You're not you're not really going around starting conversations with strangers all the time unless
0: they're doing something that like if they're wearing a Star Wars shirt, maybe right. you bring that up. There's a up. shared.
1: Commonality. Yeah, I think I think the closest there's some connection.
0: I think the closest we get to that is sporting events, where yeah,
1: the people are all there for the same reason. Exactly.
0: There's already that unity. Whereas in the grocery store, what's what's the unity? The fact that we all need to eat. Like there's there's not a you can't just look at them and be like, so apples two forty nine, right? Like no one's doing that.
1: Well, and the hardest thing about street witnessing that I've found is you're competing with other people's priorities and time. You're out there. And you're trying to talk to people, but they all have things they're trying to get done that day. They've got places to go, uh, people to see. Sometimes they're standing around talking to their friends and they don't necessarily want to hear from you. Um, So I'll just share a really quick story um, that kind of sets up how I got into this and just how I initially started to push back the awkwardness. So... I wasn't born somebody passionate about evangelism. I was a Christian kid who lived in a Christian bubble. Um, I was a pastor's kid, grew up at the same church my entire life, really. Uh, Went to a private Christian school. I had Christian friends. And then I became a youth pastor. And so now I'm constantly around Christians, trying to help Christians figure out their Christianity. And I start teaching the book of Acts, and I feel like God speaks to me and says, hey, um, the Gospel of John, you preach that to these middle school kids. That was great. But now we're in Acts, and Acts is all about preaching the gospel and going out and reaching people and hitting the streets. Um, acts is just, it's the Acts of the Apostles empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're going out and turning the world upside down. And I felt like God spoke to me and was like, you need to practice what you preach. Like, you need to do this. And in my mind, I was like, I do this. Like, I i preach the gospel all the time. And and God kind of pushed back on me and was like, well, no, you, I mean, you talk about Christianity to Christians, but you don't really reach anybody who's outside of the church bubble. And it just hit me so hard. And, um, I felt like convicted, like, man, if I don't practice what I preach, I need to pick a different book to preach, but I really wanted to do acts. So, um, I started, I was studying for sermons on the weekends on Saturdays, and I just kind of felt led to start going outside of my town of Vista and hitting some of the beach towns. And so the, I remember the first time I did this, I went to Oceanside, uh, California, and I was studying for my sermon on a Saturday. And um, I felt just like, God, if there's anybody out there you want me to reach, let me know. And I see this guy, I'm walking on the street and I see this guy by a stop sign. And I feel like God says, that's the guy. And so I start walking up to him And then he walks away and goes left. And then I go right. So we're walking away from one another. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I kind of chickened out. Sorry, God. Um, You know, I guess that wasn't the guy. And God's like, no, that's the guy. And I'm like, but he saw me walk right. And I saw him walk left. If all of a sudden now I'm walking his way, it's going to be really awkward and weird because he saw me walk the other way. And God just kept pushing me. So God's just like, chase him. Yeah, I started chasing him down and he he looks over his shoulder and sees me and he starts walking faster. So it's it's just already really cringy. But uh, I caught up to him and just kind of was like, hey, man, I just felt like you need to hear this. And I was, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just said, God loves you. He really cares about you. And he wants you to know that his son, Jesus, died for you. And he's got this purpose for your life and he wants to free you from all the things you're struggling with. And the guy at first kind of looked at me like I was crazy, but then uh, he kind of started nodding and he just said, hey man, thanks, I I really needed to hear that. And then he walked the other way and left. And I just, that was that was kind of this opening, this eye-opening moment for me because all of a sudden I was like, whoa, God told me to do something and I didn't want to do it, but then I did it and it was really scary, but it was actually awesome. And th- that guy said it was something he needed to hear. And so it was, it was like this door got blown open for me. And that was kind of for me, like my introduction moment uh, to evangelism and talking to strangers about Jesus. And that's so awesome.
0: I think that that's stuff that that's the whole reason evangelism is important, because there was a guy that you were never going to see in your church. Um, who knows if he goes to any kind of church at all, or or at that point, if he went to any kind of church at all. And yeah, you know, he was clearly thinking about what his status with God was and just your confirmation for him of like, Hey, your status with him is loved by him. Like he cares for you. He loves you so much. He sent his only son. Like just that was clearly an important thing in his life. Like those stories are so incredible to hear. I can't help but wonder if someone's listening to that saying, well, yeah, that's because it's your gift or that's because you're a pastor. Like, what about the person who feels like that couldn't be them or they don't have the giftedness or they don't previously sense the Holy Spirit's like anointing on them to go and do these different things?
1: Yes, yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, there's a verse that has really stood out to me over time on this. It's Ephesians 2.10. Um, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That has revolutionized the way I think about it because I used to think about evangelism as like, man, there's people out there who are dying and they need Jesus. And if I don't go out and save them, they're not going to be saved and their blood is going to be on my hands. And it's all up to me. And what I've realized is God has gone before us and created good works for us to do. He's set up these moments, these opportunities that I truly believe are all around us. Like I think pretty much every time we hit the streets, there are people in our path that God has potentially prepared, like conversations that He's set up. And if we would just tap into it. Um, I almost think of it as like, you know, in the way of a Jedi, um, being sensitive to the force and knowing what the force is guiding you to do. I know we're not supposed to think of the Holy Spirit as a force, but honestly, it's something that if we're open to it. And for me, like what it comes down to a lot of times is 90 percent of the time when I'm hitting the streets, I'm not thinking about evangelism. I'm thinking about the grocery list that my wife gave me. Um, or what I'm trying to do or the meeting I have to go to. But the, the times that have been most effective for me in evangelism have been when I have had some time and I'm out on the streets and I pray and say, you know what, God, if there's anyone you want me to speak to, I am open to do that. And it's been mind-blowing to me to see what has come from that at times because it's, it's honestly all Him. Like I have so many stories I could tell you about how every time I wanted to share the gospel, I didn't actually want to do it. I felt God prodding me to do it, but I was like a coward and I was running away and I just didn't want anything to do with it. Like, um, can I, can I give one more story of an example of this? So this is an example of like, I, I have a lot, pretty much every story I can tell you of my evangelism success has some element of my failure in it. Um, one time, I, this is, uh, after a while i had started doing street witnessing often. Um, and I, I felt like it was something I was starting to get gifted in, but God just kept humbling me and showing me how it has nothing to do with me. Um, I was at the grocery store picking up groceries for a youth event and I don't ever get mad. Like I'm a very chill person, but I was very mad that day because I had gotten a, uh, a ticket for rolling through a red, a red light. Um, you know, right hand turn thing. And I didn't know about the ticket. My dad got it. He forgot to tell me about it or something. And, you know, I wasn't living at home. And um, basically I owed, you know, like $600 or something. And it was going to be an extra 700 if I didn't figure it out in a few days. So I was stressing out and freaking out. I was really angry and Almost upset at God because I was actually driving to go speak at a school that day that I got the ticket. Um, so I was frustrated. I'm like, God, I'm going to speak at schools about you and, you know, you're letting me get tickets. What's going on? This was your idea, Lord, not mine. Yeah, it's your fault. Totally stupid. So I, I'm, I'm upset and I'm grabbing snacks for the youth event and putting them in the cart and I'm just very frustrated. And I go outside of this Albertsons grocery store and there's an employee, a girl, And she's crying and, you know, her mascara is like running down her face and she's just like really upset. Uh, She's on her break. And I feel like God speaks to my spirit in that moment and says, her, tell her about me. And my reaction was like, absolutely not. Like, that is the worst idea. I'm angry. I'm frustrated at you right now, God, if I'm honest. And uh, I'm not having a good day. And I've got my own problems. I, I don't have time. I'm I'm running late to this youth group thing. This is not the time. And I just felt so convicted that God said, like, this is the time, even though it's super inconvenient for you. Um, so I go over to the girl and she's crying. And I'm just like, hey. Hey and she looks at me up at me with like tears in her eyes and she's like what like who are you and i just was like listen you're having a bad day i can see that but you need to know jesus loves you and cares about you and you're you're precious to him and he just wants you to know him and I, I mean, I... I like it was how you so sound
0: angry as you're saying this. Like, I'm just picturing you, like, standing over and like, Hey, Jesus loves well, I, you. Stop I it. I was so <laughs>
1: stressed. I was so stressed in the moment to get to this youth group thing on time. But I, I said all this to the girl just really quickly. Like, and I, I was kind of just wanting to get it over with. And she stands up and, like, starts weeping. And she gives me this hug. And... I'm like, what is going on? And she says, I'm a Christian. I haven't spoken to another Christian in six months. I haven't been to church. I've felt so disconnected from God. Um, And I've been praying that God would send someone to encourage me. Thank you so much. And I I totally start tearing up in that moment. And I, I switch from frustration to just being so ashamed of how I wanted to skip this opportunity. Uh, I wanted to run away from it and leave it, but it was there and God pushed me to step into it. And I was, I was just like, oh man, like how, how do I deserve this? Thank you. It's, it's God that's doing this work. And it's just that continual reminder to me that it's not up to me. God is preparing these works in advance. And really it's just something we need to step into.
0: Yeah, that's super encouraging. I I think it, in many ways we've heard so many stories that are like that just because this is the work that God is doing where he uses yeah. his people to imperfect as they are to say the perfect thing in the perfect time. Um yeah, yeah. we've we've talked a lot I think about the mindset of yeah, you know, and I even I like that analogy of like the sensitivity to something that is greater than you. Uh, the Force. Exactly. And just thinking... It binds us. Exactly. It it's really all does. around us, Brian. It is.
1: You strike is. me down, I should become more powerful than you can possibly imagine.
0: I can't respond with that same accent, so I just kind of feel lost in this conversation right now. That's
1: why I'm here. This is yours. Like, run with this podcast, dude. I was, I was doing old Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then I switched over to a line from young Obi-Wan. So, anyway... Things happen. I'm sorry. Continue. All good. So we have this
0: thinking about the mindset we need to have is that we are always available to the work that God wants to do. Like that, that's right. a mindset shift that needs to happen in each of us. Mm. But then there's a moment where you're looking at a person because you believe God's telling you to speak to them. Mm. And now you've got to say something. And, and if we're honest, like what we are trying to do is convince people to Perhaps believe a different thing than they believe or they're living out in that moment.
1: Yeah. No, we're convincing them to completely change their worldview and values and what their life is all about.
0: Yeah. Another way of evangelizing is looking at a person and saying, Hey, what if everything about you was different? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard sell. That's a hard thing to say to somebody. And so, because that's a hard thing to say to somebody, there's a lot of kind of like pre made programs of here's how. You know, you were talking already about, you know, the way of the master and and different programs that are like that of evangelistic series, series what's the plural of series seri, seri,
1: serial, maybe
0: serials. Let's go with serials. So there are many different serials that are evangelism focused. I'm just using that word now. We're running with it.
1: I guess Um, it's a thing.
0: There's all these different programs that you can use of here's your opening line Here's how you answer this question. Here's where you go next. Yeah. And I think what turns a lot of people off to that method of evangelism is that you feel like a salesman. Yeah. Because there's nothing that we hate more than when we're walking through the mall and the people that are in those little kiosks in that Mm -hmm. like bigger hallway. They just start coming up to you and they're like, hey, do you want to try this, you know? I don't know. What's an annoying thing that they would want to try?
1: Would you like some lip balm? <laughs> Can I apply this to your lips? <laughs> Can I put this on your face? Let's, let's see how this feels. I don't know. I hate that too. Honestly. Yeah. So th- no one is, likes that experience. This is the cringy side of evangelism. I'll be honest. One of my least favorite things in the world is when I'm out on a date with my wife, walking in the streets, and somebody's by the side of the road is like, hey, have you registered to vote yet? Or... Hey, can I tell you about this lip balm or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, this is the, the, the now the lip
0: balm episode of the Good life yeah, Podcast.
1: evangelism by lip balm. It's a viable method. But you know what I'm talking about? Like when those yeah, guys absolutely. are standing and trying to talk about their business or some political platform and its it's just – It's I always feel like a jerk when I respond to them because it's always like, you know, hey, have you registered to vote? And I'm just like, I just start walking really fast and I'm like, I haven't yet, but I will. And you know what I mean? Like I I don't want to engage with that person in that moment because I have my own things going on. So when I flip it around with evangelism, I can see why it's it's cringy for people because it's it's inconvenient. And a lot of people don't want to talk about heaven and hell and the afterlife in any given moment. So it is very hard to start those conversations. So then when it
0: comes to actually beginning them, are there any things that you've discovered that, not like your own here are the four questions method or anything like that, but... Is there anything that you found that it doesn't, I don't, I don't think that anything will fully remove the awkwardness of that moment, but I think there are things that may decrease the awkwardness of that moment. Totally. Are there any things you've learned along those lines?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here's what I'll say again, I'm not an expert. I've had things work for me, but what I can genuinely say is the method wasn't really, I think the the driving factor in anyone receiving the Lord in the situations where they did, I think the factor was just the, the presence of the Holy Spirit and him setting up the work in advance. Um, that being said, I do think that there are certain techniques that may have worked well in the 90s, but I don't think they work well now because of what we'd call kind of a post-Christian post-modernism. Um people are not people are so over religion, they're so skeptical of religion, and they're so just uh they're they just are so resistant towards religion that if you if your opener is the Ten Commandments, a lot of people are just gonna roll their eyes at you and walk away. Um, you know, this is the age of the internet, this is the age of skepticism anyone can google anything uh and and get the information that they need about anything i think the 90s were a simpler time um would you agree with that like do you do you get what i'm getting at there with kind of that resistance that people have okay
0: yeah i I think a lot of the 90s methods kind of relied on the idea that living by a not even by christianity but i guess i've heard a lot of people using the phrase like a traditional ethic or a judeo-christian ethic right like Generally, the understanding I think behind those methods is we all recognize living this way is probably the best thing. Yeah, and I think now we're at the point where that's entirely out the window.
1: We've progressed um, so much past that to the yeah, point the, where, yeah, if you have the any stink of religion on you, people are just going to reject you and roll your eyes. So, um, so when I talk about like what I would say are my methods, you know, um, again, it's driven by the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a few examples of my methodology. So one would be <laughs> this is like the weirdest one, I think. It's just the drive-by, like the drive-by evangelism. Um and it's just like Are you in your car when this happens? Uh, there have been a few times where um I've been driving youth kids around and they've rolled down the window and just yelled, Jesus loves you at people. Which sounds stupid, evangelism. but like here here's here's my this is not my favorite method, and this is probably 5% of the time this is happening with me. It's not the norm, but I I would say don't discredit it. I know a guy named Brad Hall who's a missionary in Australia, a church planner. Me and my dad saw him on a missions trip, and I asked him how he got saved, and he said literally he was on the pier in Oceanside, and a surfer walks up to him and says, Hey, bro. Did you know Jesus loves you? And Brad was like, no. And then the surfer was like, well, he does, dude. And then he just walked away. And, (laughs) and Brad was like for three weeks sitting around going, who is Jesus? He had never heard about Jesus. And he's like, who is Jesus? Why does he love me? And he knew, you know, Jesus was connected to church, but he didn't know much about Jesus. And he had friends who were Christians so he reached out to them and said, hey, this guy told me Jesus loves me. What is he talking about? Can you explain this to me? And next thing you know, he's got the gospel in him. And now he's in Australia planting churches. So I'm just saying, don't dis- don't discount God's ability to work through you simply telling someone Jesus loves them. That's amazing. Is it better to have, uh, you know, a much better uh, evangelistic, you know, four point thing? Sure. But God can work through the simplest of messages. So that's method one. Method two, I would say, is be a good listener. Like, so if you live in a city where there are young people just kind of hanging around, you know, skate parks, park parks, (laughs) regular parks, um, you know, burrito shops, whatever, um, it is possible to get in conversations. Like, it's, it sounds terrifying, but there, there's been times where me and my group, we've just walked up to people and sat down next to them and just started talking to them. And don't open with the gospel in this method. Like, just start talking to people. Just start getting to know them. Ask them questions about themselves. And then what I found is great at times is asking people what they believe. Like, what do you believe about God? Like, what do you believe about the afterlife? Like, is there anything uh, past this? And yeah, like most people... If you start asking those questions, most people are gonna figure out what you're doing. Like they're they're gonna know that you're you're trying to reach them. They're gonna assume you're probably from some religious group. But if you lead with just, here's what I believe in, here's why you should believe it. People aren't gonna respond to that. If you let them talk, and it's not just letting them talk for the sake of letting them talk, you're getting to know them as a person. You're finding out about their core beliefs. And there's been times where I've been listening to somebody who is telling me that they're a Buddhist or that they're kind of a new age person or that they're a Muslim or something. And and then don't do the apologetics thing where you start trying to destroy their worldview. Well, did you know that uh, actually your belief is wrong because this, this, and this? Um, don't shut them down, hear them out and listen to them. And then what you can do is you can say to them like, hey, so you know, can I tell you what I believe? And then you're able to share the simple gospel with them. And I found that to be really effective with people because when they feel listened to, they're way more willing to listen to you and then ask questions and your goal going into it should just be this person needs to hear the gospel, not, I need to destroy this person's whole worldview. Um, now, if somebody does have a bad worldview, it's not wrong to start gently picking apart that stuff and getting them to think critically about their worldview. Um, but it's different than kind of going in with that idea of like, I'm going to destroy this person.
0: Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you're bringing up this particular method because this is the only method I've ever felt comfortable evangelizing with.
1: It's great. It's a good um, one.
0: I've, I've tried doing other things and um, tried walking people through like a path of questions. Like I remember a um, quick youth pastor story. We were doing an evangelism event. And normally like when you go and do that, it's it's scary as the youth pastor because you have to be like the good example of how <laughs> evangelism should go or yeah. at least you have to be the example of willingness and things like that and so I had you know a seventh grade student with me I believe at the time and we walk up to this person and I'm like hey do you mind if we like ask you a few questions and he's like yeah sure and we tried doing like a way of the master thing of like you know do you believe that Um, you know, do you believe like the 10 commandments? I forget exactly how we did it, but basically we asked him like, you know, do you believe you've ever sinned? Like in, in not so many words, but that's what we, we asked him and he was like, nope. (laughs) I was like, wait, what now? And he was like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm doing really good. And I was like, so you believe that in every area of life. You're perfect. And without like batting an eye, he looked at me. He's like, yeah, next question.
1: Well, and if you don't believe in the concept of sin, like if your morality doesn't have that category in it, you're going to view yourself a lot differently, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And and
0: so like that is the one moment that I can look at of just asking him, hey, do you agree with me? Like completely went nowhere. <laughs> Whereas what I would normally end up doing with students that i was leading is we would go up to people and i would even just begin with i actually got this question from an as cities burn song i don't know if you guys know that band no i don't know who's you guys i'm only talking to the podcast uh, uh, listeners yeah if you want to text me i guess and let me know if you've heard about As phone
1: number text Mm -hmm. him if you know the band
0: yeah you could do that um (laughs) we'll put it in the show notes terrible idea yeah it'll it'll be there later um in one of their songs. the song is about like the bigness of God being more than we can comprehend. Hmm. And so it opens like with a little like slow musical thing and, and it's people talking about what they believe about God. Um, and they open on the question, who do you think God is or what do you think God is? Hmm. And then people just start throwing out all these different ideas. And I've definitely found that by, by being willing to say, I am interested in your view of God and not just mine, Yeah, people's walls come way down.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like it when I'm on the street and someone comes up and just, they just want to tell me things. They just want to preach at me and shove things down my throat. Like I don't want that, but I do love dialogue and I love a good conversation. I think most people these days do. They, they value dialogue and they, They can smell if you're just trying to sell them something. But if they believe that you really actually care about them and you want to hear from them, that's a game changer. And and I think that you can't fake that. Like, you have to go into it actually believing in your mind, like, I care about this person and I want to hear what they have to say as well. The, uh, The third method of this is probably my favorite because... The conversation one is good, but there are also going to be times where you don't have a lot of time. And so you've kind of got to just get in there. And this is similar to the just telling somebody Jesus loves you one, but it's way more structured. And I just think this can be helpful for those of us who like structure. Um, so the idea is basically how do we condense the gospel down to the simplest way that we can? And and also a way that is um, the least awkward, you know, for people. And so the way that I condense the gospel down is to kind of these categories of three things, one sickness, two cure, and three, are you going to take the cure? So it's basically problem solution. And then what are you going to do about it? So you go up to somebody and say, Hey, uh, can I tell you the good news? And then if they say yes, you just go into it and you start talking about first, the bad news. You talk about sin And this is kind of the reversal of that 90s method where it's like, hey, so are you a sinner? Are you a thief? Are you an adulterer? Instead, you start talking about the sin of the world, the problems of the world. Talk about racism, talk about poverty, talk about war, injustice, all this stuff. And then talk about your own sin. Like, be honest with people about your own struggle and your own need for a savior. Uh, And then, you know, invite them to consider their own problems and, 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 but without really like getting too into it where you're trying to get them to tell you all their dirty deeds, don't do that. Just, just talk about the problem and the reality of sin. I think any person out there um, in our progressive post-Christian culture can admit that there's problems with the world. They can admit that there's brokenness with the world. When you start bringing up things like racism, when you start bringing up things like injustice, and, and war and violence. People can recognize that there's a problem. So then you talk about the world's brokenness. You talk about sin. Two, you talk about the solution. Just talk about Jesus. Explain who he is. Explain what he did. Explain what the kingdom of God is. Explain God's plan to rescue and renew the world. Um, and then part three is you just tell people like, hey, so that's the good news. We've got a broken world. We've got a God who is willing to die for us who wants to rescue and redeem the world, what do you think about this? And give them a moment to tell you what they think. And then you can ask them, like, do, do you want to respond to this? Like, do you want to accept this Jesus? And um, if do I have time just to tell a quick story about how this played out? Okay, so my story about this Um, And again, again, it's a story that involves my failure to do a good job of this. Um, But it's great to see how God swoops in and just does something miraculous. Um, So at that point, I had started doing street evangelism with my kids, my youth group kids. I would usually take them to like a beach town, you know. Uh, In this particular instance, we were in Encinitas. And so we were down there probably about 15, 20 kids, we go to a cliff to overlook the ocean and we have this you know, beautiful moment of prayer where we're asking God, you know, fill us up and give us the, the power that we need to go out and share the gospel. And then <laughs> uh, as we're done praying, a surfer walks up to me and the kids and is like, hey, what are you guys down here for? And my response should have been to preach the gospel. Let me tell you about it. But my response was just like, Oh, we're just hanging, man. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, cool. And he left, and all 20 kids looked at me like, oh my gosh, this is the guy leading us in evangelism? This is st- stupid. Um, so that was embarrassing. So uh, I get my small group of kids. We had volunteers there. We were dividing the kids up into small groups. And so I've got um, two boys and then this girl named Lexi. And I say to the kids, um, hey, so you guys, I'm not going to direct you. We need to be directed by the Holy Spirit. So let's just take a moment and, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit guide us and tell us where to go. Um, So we take a moment and then Lexi kind of looks at me and she's like, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit wants us to go talk to those surfers that you totally didn't talk to. (laughs) So Did she bring um, it up that way too? Yeah, she was kind of sassy. Sweet kid, but yeah, definitely like gave me the stink eye. So um, we walk over to that surfer who's with his friends, and they're all hanging out by this van, you know, typical. And you know, long hair, blonde hair guys, just awesome surfer, just the most the most stereotypical group of surfers you could see. And we walk up, and um, I'm just like, "Hey, have you guys heard the good news?" And that's kind of my like my awkward opener to the conversation is just to ask people, "Hey, have you heard the good news?" Because most people, when they hear that, they're not thinking gospel. They're like, oh, sweet, did we win, like, a free burrito? Is somebody handing out puppies? Like, what's the good news? <laughs> so usually people, like, want to hear the good news when you ask it that way. So then we just launch into it, like, super simple. Problem, sin, uh, talk about... When I talk about sin, I usually am not like, hey, are you a lying, filthy adulterer? Instead, I'm, I'm talking about Do you recognize
0: my, you're the scum of the
1: earth? Like, you yeah. don't bring it up that way. You f- Filthy surfers! Um, no, it, it was. I was talking about my own sin. I'm talking about you know my struggles. I'm talking about uh, the the problems with the world. My kids, my youth group kids, are chiming in on this, and so we go through sin. Then we bring up Jesus and we talk about his plan and his redemption and the cross and the new heaven and earth. Um, and the surfers are totally listening. Like they're just nodding the whole time, and it's just very simple gospel. But they're engaged. And then. I almost wanna walk away at that point because it's awkward enough to start the conversation. It's the hardest part I feel like is trying to close it. You know what I mean? Uh, It's hard to then ask people to respond to the gospel. It's very awkward. It's this strange thing where you're encountering people in the middle of their daily life and telling them about spirit beings from a spiritual realm who want to save them. Uh, So it, it can be strange. But I almost walked away. But then I felt convicted. And so I, I said to the guys, okay, so you've heard the good news. What do you want to do about it? Like, do you want to respond? Do you want this Jesus? Do you want forgiveness for your sins? And the surfers kind of looked at me and it was this moment of like awkward scariness. But then the ringleader, he, he kind of started like nodding his head and he was like, yeah, yeah, bro, yeah. And then all of his friends started like nodding their heads and going, yeah, yeah, let's pray. And th- they were stoked and they wanted to pray. And then there was a guy, another surfer, who is sitting in a van next to them and he gets out of his van and walks over and he's like, yeah, I heard that whole thing. Uh, can I receive Jesus too? And me and the kids were just stoked and uh, we started praying and we're going through the sinner's prayer and I don't even know the sinner's prayer. I, I make it up every single time differently, but you know, just the typical asking for forgiveness and asking Jesus to be in your life. And at the very end of it, you know, the surfers are all repeating after me every line. And at the end of the prayer, I'm like, in your name, amen. And one of the surfers goes, Devin, amen. Like he he signed <laughs> his name on the end, on the end of the Wanted prayer. Wanted it to be and, clear who was praying. Yeah. Lord, this is Devin. So, um, yeah, I just share that story because, again, you know, it's not rocket science, and I'm not a professional, and I don't have, like, this systematic way of doing it. But every time we've ever done it, and people have received the gospel, I can always point point back to the reality of God has been preparing the hearts of these people to hear this message. And really all it takes is for someone to step in to that moment and just share it, just deliver the package.
0: One of the things that I love in that story is that it was people that you previously had kind of decided, oh, I'm just going to kind of leave well enough alone. And it would have been really easy because of that kind of human awkwardness to just leave it be and not yeah. go back to it and all that. And it when you were praying like, Lord, give us the clarity and give us the vision for who we need to be speaking to. God did answer that in the form of a sassy high school girl that <laughs> was like, hey, we should go back and make sure those people actually do hear the gospel. And yeah. and she was right. And like we can look at that and say, wow, Lord, you guided through that you know instance that's amazing
1: yeah yeah and that's that's an important factor too. realizing that the Holy Spirit flows through all believers not just pastors and leaders and so you can be the pastor in the situation but potentially not listening to the Holy Spirit as much as a small child in that room who's happens to be more tuned in in the moment so yeah important lesson
0: mm-hmm so thinking about these kinds of encounters these kinds of you end up talking with a person you reveal or reveal is kind of a strange word. Like you have the gospel like under a cloth and you pull it away. Like, look at this. That's like, exactly, that's, not,
1: that's the most, that's method for, that's the most effective, the one. most effective method. I just put yeah. a Bible underneath the cloth and I pull the cloth up and <laughs> they're just instantly saved. It's yeah. It's amazing. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. This is part one of our discussion on evangelism, so stay tuned for next week's episode, because in this one, we talked about how to reach people that are total strangers. Next week, we're going to talk about how to reach the people that you actually know. Thanks for listening to the Good Line podcast, and stay tuned.